0: As you take your seats, you may want to lift your Bible, and for the children, you can go to the kids' club. We're going to be looking at Matthew and chapter 1. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, your word, and we ask that as we look at it together, that you would help us to see wonderful things in your word. Help us to marvel at what you have done in Christ, and would you help us to leave here singing in our lips and in our hearts, all glory be to Christ, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this week, one of the most anticipated new beginnings for our family began with the reading out of a long list of names. Most of the names were unfamiliar, though some of them we knew. Now, you probably remember a similar experience in your own life. It's this time of year, isn't it? August, September, sitting in a new school. The rest of the room hushed as you hang on every syllable, waiting. Waiting for your name and the name of your friends to be called by a teacher. A list that defined your life at a new school. Now we don't know exactly what Matthew's doing with this list that he starts his account off with. But here's what we do know. This list marks the start of a spectacular piece of writing because Matthew is part of God's revelation, the gospel to us. And in it, Matthew describes God's long awaited, yet long delayed, God's plan to save his people. His people, the Jews, and non Jews like us, saving his people from their sins. Just look to verse 21 that we didn't read beyond that reading. Saving people from their sins. That's what God's about. And check it here. Check as the list is read out. Check and see that this ultimate saving plan for people has everything to do with Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah the Christ, verse 1. Now, as we read and as we hear again the names Matthew reads out, you need to check the list. Check and see what it emphasizes, what it includes, what the subtle references are, and check its focus, because that can remind us of the one who defines and offers to every single one of us a new beginning in Jesus Christ. That can be a refreshing message from Matthew 1. So as we read it and as we look at this list, check for at least four things that Matthew is revealing. Here's where we're going. Four things that Matthew reveals. Well, here's the first one, and we'll move fairly fast through these. Matthew is revealing his origins, verse 1. Here's how Matthew starts. This was the easy bit to read, wasn't it? Have a look at verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now Matthew's setting out some very important information about the person this book will go on to describe. And the list of names is gonna provide some key markers as to where Jesus has come from. And for the original readers, those who picked up or heard Matthew, they would have expected this first up front And so Matthew tells us in just the first few words that this is going to be a record, a book of the genealogy. But what does that mean? The origins, if you like, the origins of Jesus, his historical roots, if you like. Now think about it. With his opening words, Matthew's inviting us all to consider that the birth described in detail, and that takes place from verse 18 onwards, that birth was at the same time part of a line that stretched all the way back in the history of God's people. It's quite remarkable. Matthew does not begin with a birth, but rather it begins with this description of a line that goes all the way back in the history of God's people. And at the same time, I don't know whether you noticed this, but there is an echo here in Matthew 1 of something else. Matthew's the opening lines of the New Testament, and yet there's an echo of the opening of the Old Testament. The word genealogy is the word genesis, origins, beginning, birth. And in fact, it's a word that's not used very often in the New Testament. Only five times it occurs in the New Testament. And if you look, it's the same word genealogy. It's the same word birth down in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. So that word is used twice here in a matter of verses. See, these two chapters at the start of Matthew will set out the origins, the birth, of the one who will bring an opportunity for new beginnings for everyone, a new creation, if you like. There was the creation in Genesis, and with Jesus comes a new creation, with one whose birth defined a new start for weary, waiting people. For us in Black Rock, reading about Jesus, this list is a comforting and timely reminder. At least it is for me. I know it can be for you too. A reminder at the start of a new term. Jesus Christ, you see, is the one who offers people like us, yes, even people like you, new beginnings. And if you are a Christian, this is the good news about Christ here in Matthew, The good news that perhaps you heard and understood and already responded to that brought you to the most significant new beginning of your life, not the start of life in a new country or in a new course or in a new relationship, but that moment when you first saw the Lord Jesus Christ and followed him, new life, a new creation, and the enormity of that. Well, we can sometimes forget, can't we, in the hectic pace of life as it goes on. So so as you check this list today and hear about his origins, it's my prayer that perhaps you'll very quietly maybe or sincerely thank God for that new beginning he offered in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the invitation still stands, by the way, as we read this book, The Gospel According to Matthew, there's an invitation to hear gospel life, good news, life, and comfort. Imagine a new beginning even more significant than that job you craved or that relationship you looked into. Imagine a new beginning that could completely change your life for eternity. Well, that's the invitation on offer here as Matthew describes Jesus the Christ. It's very, very powerful and it's a powerful chance of new life. I know that that comes and hopefully is being whispered into the pain and complications and brokenness and stresses of your life right now. And if it is, maybe you would quietly commit or recommit your life to the only one with such amazing origin credentials. Now then, quite stunningly, Jesus is heralded by Matthew in the opening line. Look at it again. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ Now, Christ is a title as well as a name. Uh, The Messiah. The term was used in the Old Testament, as you know, although there in the Hebrew, Christ is the Greek word that um, roughly translates the same term, the Messiah, the Christ. And this term was used in the Old Testament um, uh, to describe people who were set apart, anointed for specific functions. And eventually that word Messiah was associated with the one who would one day bring in God's plan, long-promised reign, his salvation. And the expectation of that grew as people longed for a Messiah to come and help them amid all the pain and suffering and stress as they were going through as a people. And, And right at the start, Matthew tells us that Jesus is that Messiah. He's the Christ. So once we're, we're no longer simply reading the historical background, okay, it's all here, isn't it, in those names, but it's not just the historical background of Jesus of Nazareth, but here is Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. And no less than four times in these verses up to verse 18, Matthew repeats it. Jesus is the Christ, Christ, unmistakable. And in this long list of names, it's it's interesting, isn't it, that one of those names has a spotlight turned onto it again and again. Now, there would be real shock in a school assembly if one name got all the focus and was repeated four times. That would probably be a mistake, but not with Matthew, because that's exactly what he's trying to do. Matthew, that's his point, isn't it? One of the commentators says that it shows here that he's not just trying to trace out the life of a historical figure. This is no ordinary history or biography, but rather it's the long awaited deliverer of God's people. Isn't that amazing? With a few opening words, suddenly we have have notice of the deliverer having arrived in the person of Jesus Christ. Again, that might be something we too easily forget Sometimes we dip into Matthew and we read a section here or there. Jesus, though, is no mere historical figure with some wise things to say that might help us along in life. And when we read from Matthew, he's describing the life and the work and the words of Jesus the Christ, the one sent by God to save his people, to deliver, to rescue us. Rescue is written all over this book. He's the Messiah And his actions and words then have weight, and they point us to his ultimate rescue mission. Now at the same time he describes Jesus as the Christ, there's two other pieces of information revealed about Jesus' background. And again, look at verse one. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It's a really loaded verse, isn't it? Verse 1. And loaded into it are Jesus' credentials. He's the Messiah. And not just the Messiah. Now he's taken his place in the line of great father Abraham, the father of the people of Israel, and great king David, the greatest king that the people had known. What a lineage Jesus steps onto history right in the middle of. Now, Don Carson explains that Matthew wants to show us something. He wants to show that Jesus came to fulfill all the kingdom promises made to David. You may remember this verse from 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is what David was told by God. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne, David, shall be established forever those are quite weighty words aren't they and so fulfillment is now coming and that's what Matthew's showing us in Christ of those promises made to David and then not just David but the beyond the Jews blessings that were promised to Abraham remember back to Genesis 12 where God told Abraham and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed so not just a one group of people but all the peoples of the earth. And that's all coming now to a head in Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. Now, have a look now at that list of names. You see, it's divided into three parts, isn't it? Well, look at this very, very briefly. It's it's three parts. Firstly, look at verses 2 to 6. Matthew shows that Jesus' line could be traced all the way from Abraham, who begat Isaac, who begat Jacob, all the way through um, uh, to uh, not just one special group of people, as we've said. Remember, he said that all the nations of the world will be blessed. And this line comes through. Now, then, verse 6b, we have David in 6a. David, not just David. Look how he's mentioned. This is an intriguing detail, isn't it, in verse 6a? David the king. So you can see David the king. And then, right up until the exile, the deportation to Babylon end of verse 11. And then the third section, verses 12 to 16, we can see that the line is traced all the way through to Joseph, the husband of Mary, now we're on more familiar territory, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. Now, interestingly, when you step back from those um, sections, those three sections, who stands out? Well, As we've seen, Jesus the Messiah, yes, but who stands out? It's King David, isn't it, who stands at each of the turning points in the sections. And when he was appointed in the line, and then in the generation block after Abraham, and then in the absence of a Davidic king, if you think about it, from the time of exile, that's when there was no Davidic king on the throne. And Matthew's making the appointment then that with the arrival of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, Finally, there's fulfillment. It's like an answer to that waiting from the exile until Jesus came, one who takes the throne of that King David just as God had promised. And Matthew flags it for us right in verse 1, even before we read through the list. He will be the son of David. He was the son of David, the son of Abraham. And in fact, those designations are repeated through Matthew's gospel. Now, the focus on King David, as that list develops, And as the establishment of Jesus Christ as the Messiah in the line of David, it also helps to explain the reason why Matthew has divided the epochs into those three historical sets of 14. Did you ever wonder why you have three sets of 14? Something that's repeated again in verse 17, 14, 14. That might help us understand why Matthew reports the history in this way. Well, he's likely presented the historical lineage like this in blocks of 14 to make us focus on David and Jesus Christ as the son of David. And here's how. Hebrew letters, you may know or may not know, Hebrew letters all have a a number associated with them. And so when you take the name David without the vowels, so D-V-D, David, those letters add up to, in Hebrew to the number 14. And so even the way the history is presented makes that point. And we might think, well, we don't really do that today. And and we don't, but for an astute Jewish reader in the first century, the second century, looking at this, they would have seen, hold on a minute, his credentials, David is all over it. Here's the Davidite, here's the one. And it's a remarkable, and a subtle way, yes, but a remarkable way of showing the focus on David And the amazing way in which Jesus, the promised king, Jesus the Christ, takes up this role in David's line. So far from just a list of names, we're seeing that Matthew's highlighting the way in which Jesus' birth signals a new beginning, the time when God will make good on all that he's promised. Now, arguably, the most striking feature of this list of names, this genealogy, is the inclusion of a few names. Matthew may have decided these names were too controversial to include, and yet he includes them. Which names am I talking about? Well, there are four women mentioned here. Four women's names in a genealogy where this wouldn't have been the done thing to include. And we're not talking about some of the great women in in the history of Israel, Rebecca or Sarah. Matthew's including women like Tamar, verse 3, Rahab, verse 5, Ruth, verse 5. And the fourth one doesn't even get a name, but it's just designated Uriah's wife, which we know to be Bathsheba, verse 6. It's interesting, isn't it? Why? Well, Well, the answer is, of course, because they were part of the historical genealogy. They were part of the history, yes. But when you look at each of those figures, The stories of each of these women are full of brokenness and sin, and they were often outsiders by birth or marriage. And what Matthew seems to be revealing by their inclusion is that with the coming of Christ, son of David, son of Abraham, there's a revelation of an aching need among his people for deliverance, for rescue. That's the fourth and final thing we're going to see from this list today. It reveals the need for salvation. It's as if Matthew's telling us, check the list for a demonstration that these people aren't all the greats of history. Some of them were troubled and needed rescuing. And the salvation that he promised, salvation that only becomes possible with the birth of Jesus Christ, is here, and people need it. Outsiders, Gentiles, non-Jews like Ruth, or those broken by sin or the sins of others, can only find salvation in Jesus Christ. Remember that verse a few verses later in verse 21? Well, there we read about another woman, again in humble and extraordinary circumstances. Look at verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Blackrock, as we read Matthew and consider Jesus the Christ, his teaching, his healing, his words, his actions, his journey down to Jerusalem, to the cross, we'll see that with Jesus' life and death, he met that need. He provided that salvation. Why don't you start with us on that study of Matthew as the summer winds up? Make some notes by yourself on your Bible. Um, Maybe you'll bring a notebook. Think about what Matthew is telling us, what he's pointing to. Make your notes when you go home. Think about Jesus. Think about King David. Jesus the line. Jesus the one to bring salvation. Why don't you ask God to help you respond to his good news about Jesus. And with great anticipation, the list of names has been read out by your teacher today. And as we check the names and see the spotlight on Abraham and King David, and then finally and definitively on Jesus the Messiah, is your attention grabbed? Well, keep listening. Keep reading as we take this journey as a church to see the way in which Jesus fulfilled those promises of the Old Testament. One of the commentators said, it's like you need to take that page out that separates the old and the new testament as you read Matthew because Matthew uses and shows how the old testament all that has gone before points to the fact that Jesus and in Jesus there's the definitive revelation of God's new creation and his salvation so come and look back and see in Jesus a provision for your rescue too maybe you'll allow God's word over the next few weeks and months to see for the first time, we're to see a fresh good news of life, whatever's going on. Well, allow me to pray, and then we're gonna turn ourselves to look at what happened in those events in Jerusalem. But let's pray as we turn to Jerusalem. Father, thank you for Matthew, for his heralding of Jesus Christ and showing how Jesus.